Come on, shop. Well, it's time to record now. Yeah, Wonder Rob, I just can't wait to record now. We met on stage because we like to perform now. We're turtle bros and bashing all of our foes now. It's time to celebrate our energy. With new shows for you to blast every other week. Come on, shop. It's time to let our geeks speak. I hear you, Rob. My geeks speak has crazy tech. We both love Marvel. He loves DC. We're both big nerds since 83. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek So To Speak podcast, your source for all things geek. Of course, my name is Shoff. You know this because you have listened to 65 other episodes of Geek So To Speak podcast, and you are anxiously awaiting this particular episode, which will be all about Spider-Man Far From Home and some other pretty exciting geek news as well. But I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to introduce my co-host, my best friend, my bromance, Wonder Rob. Bromance. I like the title. We're like Ebony and Ivory, except we're both Ivory. That's right. Ivory and Ivory. <laughs> Together podcasting in harmony. <laughs> I'm sure the new listeners are already thrilled. <laughs> yeah. They're like, they sing in this? Oh my gosh, I'm subscribing right now. It's a musical. No, it's <laughs> Which, not. by the way, we should remind you right here at the, the forefront of the episode that if you're not currently subscribing, go ahead and click subscribe. We encourage it. We, we want you to. We want you to definitely tune in every week because we like to bring you geek content every single week. We're always got something um, on the books, on the table to talk about. Uh, the way we like to structure our episodes are as follows. We like to start up with a little bit of uh, quippy banter because what podcast would be successful without two co-hosts who really get along really well and then like chat about their week and you guys just enjoy every second of it. Okay. So <clears throat> we did a, a survey and they were like, not enough quippy banter. So guess what? We're doing more quippy banter based on, you know, the popular demand. Pew, pew, quip, pew, pew, quip, 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 <laughs> So in addition to that, we also cover a, a fair slew of geek news. We keep you in the know with all things that are happening. We're talking about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books, collectibles, you name it, we're going to discuss it. Uh, so we'd like to keep you in the know. Um, additionally, we always have a, uh, a specific focus for the episode, a main feature, if you will. Today's episode, as I mentioned, is Spider-Man Far From Home. And we are recording this episode on July 3rd, 2019. So uh, let's just take a moment real briefly to say uh, a preemptive, happy 4th of July, everyone. That's right. To everybody out there listening in the future, tomorrow... Just remember that past us was the first to wish you happy 4th of July. Do not blow your hands off with friggin' firecrackers, you guys. 
It's serious. It's serious. I remember a kid back when I was grown up in Illinois and he legit did not have a hand because he had blown up a black cat firework in his hand. (laughs) Wasn't there an actor uh, who was playing Gaston at Disneyland or that was his day job. He played Gaston at Disneyland or Disney World and he ended up killing himself. Oh my gosh. But he put a a firecracker on his head. Uh, I, I do remember that. Because that sounds like a Gaston thing to do. That is a Gaston thing. He would always be like, "No one blows his head off like Gaston." <laughs> Gets Gaston. blood everywhere like Gaston. Oh, geez. Well, hey, while we're on the subject of uh, Gaston blowing his head off, hey, don't forget to also leave us a review <laughs> about, about our podcast. Uh, before we get into it, we did receive a brand new review this week, and as is tradition we read the review on our show but we read it all sexy like as a sexy shout out to the individual who was kind enough to leave us some kind words so shop i believe it's your turn this week oh. to sexy <laughs> shout out i better get my coughs out okay get it, get it. okay so this particular review was given by uh the the glorious the the fun the the flirty the Freewheeling Chelsea17AZ. So Chelsea17AZ, we appreciate you very much. So here's what she wrote. She gave us five stars. So thank you for the five stars, Chelsea. She said, a show for... Oh, well, this is just the, the title. Then I'll get all yeah. sexy. A okay. show for all your nerd desires. Wonder Rob and Shoff provide flipping fantastic fanfare for all things geeky. They keep you up to date with the latest news, have discussions oh, <laughs> popular games, and review must-see films. Thanks for providing us a place to belong. Thumbs up your ass. No, it just says thumbs up. Oh, uh, man. I was like, I missed that last part about uh, our asses. Thank you, Chelsea. We appreciate you so much. Yes, Chelsea. I hope you liked that ASMR. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I hope that brought you you to heights you have yet to have achieved in previous uh, podcast podcasts. um, stimulating content um, for anyone else who would like to get their review sexified next week. It's going to be wonder Rob. So if you want to hear him just totally, you know, go, go off on his microphone <laughs> deep down his throat, then definitely you are going to want to leave us a review before Man. next week. I don't know if I can beat that. I mean, I can beat that, but I don't know if I can beat that. <laughs> There's going to be plenty beating that. <laughs> my, my, I'm blushing. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. This uh, this podcast. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one for all the, the new listeners. That's right. That's I'm right. happy about it. Tuning in for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, oh okay. So, so Wonder Rob, um, you were talking to me about this earlier, but our, our listeners don't get a chance all the time to enjoy what we talk about behind the scenes. Um, and we have this app called Voxer. We're probably the only two people still alive that use it. 
But we thank Voxer for not shutting it down completely because uh, it's like a walkie-talkie app and it gives us a chance to feel like we're next to each other in the same room, even though we are separated by many miles. I'm in Arizona. He's in California for those who just joined us and don't know the, sh- the situation. Um, but we frequently have plenty of geek conversations on there. Geek conversations! <laughs> um, and uh, one of the things we've been talking about uh, this over the past week is we've really been delving into some new video games. I know, crazy, right? Because it seems like all we play is Red Dead Redemption 2. But guess what? <laughs> we do play other things. It happens. It's real. And, uh, and, and this past week was no exception. We, uh, we both dabbled in something different, something new. And uh, this is a little impromptu, unofficial segment that we like to call, Hey... Wonder Rob, hey Shaf, what you playing? <laughs> We're gonna have to get some theme music for that. We should probably hey. make some bumpers. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make a bumper. That's fine. <laughs> so, Wonder Rob, what you playing? Well, I gotta tell you, as you know, the listeners don't know, but as you know, Shaf, I got my new home office set up this week. I got new desk, new shelves, new everything. All my dumb little toys displayed everywhere. And it was a bitch to get all of these in. I, dude, I'm telling you, my back still hurts from lugging all this stuff in. But I got this sweet, it's right behind me. I don't know if you can see it, shot, but this sweet ass leather recliner. And this giant, badass, 80 inch television. Wait a so, minute, 80 inches? That's right, dude. I thought it's you said big. you were getting a 60 or 65 inch. Oh, it's it was a lot bigger than that. Holy crap. <laughs> so, and I said to my wife, I said, do you want this out in the living room? Or, I mean, I can hold it in the in my office. <laughs> and was like, put it in your office. <laughs> I was like, fantastic. This is why I married you. <laughs> Wonder Cam so, rules. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, my perfect lair to relax and soothe my sore muscles. And this week I purchased Super Mario Maker 2 on the Switch. I finally have a reason to dust off my Switch and play it. So That's awesome. It's it's really fun actually. I didn't get a chance to play Super Mario Maker on the Wii U. I do have a Wii U, but it was just a game that I just didn't get. But, I mean, the basic premise of the game is, if for, for all you people who may not know, it's pretty much self-explanatory. You get the assets and the tools and everything that you need to make Super Mario levels. Um, but the, the fun part, because I haven't really delved into the making yet, but the fun part is that you can also play people's levels. You know, if Shaf, if you made a level, I could download it, I could play it, and vice versa. And everybody out there can do the same thing. And so I've been playing user-created levels. And let me tell you, never have I ever wanted to break a controller more. (laughs) These people making these levels are making some painfully frustrating difficult levels do you think they're just making them to to be that way or like do you think they they've tested them out themselves and they're like oh it's 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 beatable like are they are they making levels that are just impossible to play i haven't run into a level that's impossible to beat yet because when you when you download or find a level it tells you exactly how many run-throughs or times have people played this and how many times people have beaten the level. Oh. It sort of gives you like a ratio. I like and that. So, okay. 
everything that I've played has been beaten. I haven't run across a game or a level that has not been <laughs> dominated. And I've beat every level that I've downloaded. It's just sometimes one will take me like a minute. Another might be taking like 20 minutes. Because <laughs> I'm like dying over and over and over again. But the, the best part of it, even though they're super difficult, is that the ideas are really neat. Like people are just coming up with really fun mechanics. And there's so much variety because you have Super Mario Brothers style, you know, Super Mario Brothers 3. I haven't seen Super Mario Brothers 2, but Super Mario World or Super Mario uh, 3D Land. Like, and each game has their own different assets, like different pieces that were available within those games. So it's really neat. And I've definitely enjoyed it. There's a single player campaign that I haven't dived into yet. I've really spent most of my time downloading levels, but I'm really looking forward to actually getting into the meat of it and trying to make levels myself and put those out there because not only can you make levels like through the, the level itself, like as it's playing, like once I get to like a certain jump, for example, like people will leave little notes that you can see when you're playing the, the level. So like a little bubble will pop up and said, this jump fucked me <laughs> 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 or something like that. Um, and every time you die, it, it shows you like a little red X where you died. And it, then a hundred little red X's show up on the screen where everybody died. Dang it. Wow. Okay. Okay. This is interesting to me. Now, at first I was like, okay, can I tell you my, my initial impression of this game? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. In my personal opinion, and this is ap- having not played it, not mm-hmm. played the first game, not played this one. It seems like the fucking laziest Nintendo has ever been. Okay. Cause they literally, <laughs> literally put out a game that the the purchaser <laughs> the customer has to make the levels like nintendo's like here's a game uh we know you like super mario whenever we've made the levels before but why why don't you make them we'll still charge the same cost for the game but we're not going to make any levels for you we're just going to give you the pieces and you can kind of make it yourself it is the laziest nintendo has ever been <laughs> but it oh, also man. seems to satisfy what all the you know Super Mario fans have wanted, which is a little bit more control over the level itself. And um, and people like to get creative. I'm certainly a creative uh, person, and I love playing with Legos and everything else. So I I can understand where the allure is with the game. It just initially for not playing it and just looking at it from a step backward, I'm like, man, Nintendo really really figured out how to milk. Uh, money out of their audience by literally making a game that's unfinished <laughs> still se- <laughs> still selling at full price. <laughs> well, I think I think this is a great game for the Switch because Super Mario Maker, the first one, got great reviews. I mean, people talked about it, but the, the Wii U's, I don't want to say fan base, but the install base, you know, the people actually bought the console. I mean, that's that that console didn't do did not do well at all. So I think bringing it over instead of just porting it like they do other games like, you know, uh, Breath of the Wild, where it was the same game on the Wii U or Mario Kart, for example, or all these other games that have already been out that they're just putting out on the Switch, like making a new one, I think was a smart idea. And I think that this game is going to be real big with like the people on Twitch, the people who stream games. 
because now it's all of a sudden going to have this whole new life and this whole new audience. So, I mean, I really enjoy it. And I mean, I like Mario games. Everybody likes Mario games. Sure. But I mean, the, the side scrolling in particular for me, like new Super Mario Brothers, for example, or new Super Mario Brothers U, I mean, the novelty of that sort of wore off almost immediately for me just because, I mean, it's, it's Mario Brothers. I played it. I still enjoy it, but it's not like I'm jonesing to play it. But like these user-created levels that are just so fucked <laughs> and people just being so creative with what they're doing. Like there's even levels where I don't even have to move. I played two levels where I, all I had to do was stand on a platform and it was just like a giant uh, uh, Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> I think oh, I, wow. I might have said that wrong. But where I, I just jumped on a platform and made it all the way to the end. And it was just like giant like machine pushing me from one end to the other. And I really liked it. So like I think it's really cool that people can be creative this way. So, so I would recommend it. This, this game gets... The Wonder Rob seal of approval, and, <laughs> so to speak, seal of approval. Boom! We just bumped their sales. That's right. That's right. And Wonder Rob, would you share uh, once you make levels? Is there a way that you could share that with our our listening audience? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we will put uh, once I get into it, I will go ahead and put the information on our blossoming Facebook group, Geek So to Speak. If you're not a member or you haven't liked it, just search Geek So to Speak podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're we're about 800 members strong now from nothing a year ago. So that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely put it on there. And if you guys got Super Mario Maker 2, obviously share yours on there too. But search Geek So To Speak Podcast on Facebook. But of course, we'll give you the information halfway through the episode during our commercial break. Brilliant. Brilliant. What about you, dude? Okay, I know so you're playing a new game. I, I did, yes. Okay, so um, I, I decided I was going to uh, peruse the titles available on the eShop for Nintendo Switch. Because I, I know that there's always tons of indie titles on there that they don't get actual um, box releases, like in terms of having an actual cartridge and whatnot. They're just simply digital downloads. And there's so many games that you want to try out, but at the same time, I don't know what it is about me. I have a little bit of like a failure to launch when I see a sticker shock of like 20 bucks for like a digital, a digital game and there's no demo. Like I just feel like that's a little too mm-hmm. extreme to, to make that dive and purchase a game sight unseen, unplayed, don't know anything about. There's no real information out there. <clears throat> But I found this game, and, and right now on the Switch, I'm not sure if it's still happening, but they usually do this around holidays, and being that tomorrow's the 4th of July, this would make no exception. But the eShop does a lot of great deals. It, it, you can always check in and see what their, their deals are, all the discounts that they've got. And this particular game that I played was only like 6 bucks, And I was like, I can afford 6 bucks. That, that I, I, if, even if it sucks, I can, I can justify that. 6 bucks, and it sucks that's that's okay <laughs> six bucks and it sucks <laughs> except it didn't suck uh i'm still actively playing it in fact i can't believe how large this game is uh and, and how many hours <laughs> i've already put into it um the game itself is called lifeless planet and the concept of the game is you play as a an astronaut who launches off from earth and you are supposed to basically be um heading out to explore and you've got like a team with you but something happens along the way 
and you crash land on a planet and you don't know what, what this planet is, none of your equipment works, you're basically alone. You're, all of your, your fellow passengers are not in the pod with you. They're elsewhere um, and you have to go find them. And so you're on this, it's very desolate terrain. Um, you have a, a, the gravity of, of, the, of the, the planet gives you a little bit of boost in terms of your jumping abilities, but you don't have much of anything else other than having like a, uh, the equivalent of like a tricorder, if you kind of put it into like Star Trek terms, where you're kind of like typing things in on your tablet and, uh, and you're sort of like, you can scan certain things, interact with the environment um, and and you start to keep a log. And there's a little bit of voice acting actually in it, which I was really shocked about. Um, but this guy talks to himself and it's sort of his like journal and things like that. <clears throat> Very quickly though, you realize this. there's a lot more to this planet than, it, than you previously knew. Uh, in fact, very quickly, you find out that one of your, your fellow passengers is dead. Um, he has been basically like impaled by some strange uh, plant life. that has got like a thorny tentacle type thing coming out of the ground. Um, and so he's dead. Another one of your, your fellow passengers you find and he's waving at you. And then suddenly a smoke monster type situation comes out from underneath the dirt uh, of the, the desert biome that you're kind of in and basically sucks him under the rubble and you never see him again. And so it's just, it's a very, it's a, very much a game of isolation, um, very limited uh, resources. It's a platformer in the sense that there's a lot of jumping from uh, rock to rock, trying to like kind of scale mountains and, um, and make it from one area to the other. But there's also not a whole lot of guidance on where to go. So there is a certain amount of walking aimlessly and it really does feel like confusing. Like you get kind of lost along the way if you're not careful. Um, the game really excels at creating different environments for you to explore. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the controls are actually pretty receptive. You do get a jetpack along the way, which gives you some additional jumping abilities. Oh, hell the, yeah. Yeah. The game is also though really, really good at, defining when and where you can use these these particular abilities like as soon as you don't need the jetpacks jumping abilities they take it away they basically say oh your jetpack ran out of fuel <laughs> <laughs> so it's like so you don't get that free roaming capability anymore although you do feel a little bit like it's open world it is still guided it's just a wider terrain than you think you have um but you also find out that there's buildings already on this planet and it looks like the russians have already discovered this planet the russians freaking russians yeah so um so there's already collusion on this planet <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so the russians are there and they've tried to colonize this place and this is obviously taking place uh, i'm pretty sure this takes place back in like the ooh, 60s 70s i think or at least that's when the russians found this spot Mm-hmm. Of course, this is many years later. All the buildings are abandoned. You see uh, all their experiments kind of gone, uh, gone, gone awry. And then you find out there's like there's another alien life form on this planet that's sort of helping you. Mm -hmm. um, it's just crazy. It's crazy because it's kind of spooky. There's plenty of, of, of levels. I don't really want to call them levels because it's all very seamless, but different biomes. Because you're on a planet, sometimes it's daytime, sometimes it's night. And the nighttime stuff, as well as the scenes that take place in these abandoned warehouses and buildings when you're in the basements and sewer systems and stuff, 
it's all super dark. Like it's really, really dark. And actually that's my one criticism about this game is that it's so dark that you almost can't see anything. And it makes, it makes trying to navigate how to get from one part to another really, really fucking hard. Um, I've, there's even an option on the game that says increase brightness in dark areas. I clicked it just to see like how it would help. It didn't help. Not at all. Not even a little bit. I, re, I re, like added the brightness on my actual Switch up to the maximum. Mm-hmm. Still didn't help. Granted, I was playing hand, handheld, so... Yeah, I was about to ask if you're playing it on the TV or... Yeah, I'm sure if I was playing on the TV, I'd have a lot more control and I could probably make out what I needed to, but mm-hmm. uh, I was playing it handheld, and um, the game also has a lot of vibrating uh, cap- uh, capacity, so there's a lot of instances when you're falling from great heights that'll activate the rumble feature um, on the on the controller. So I recommend it. It's, it's six bucks well spent. I haven't beaten it yet, but I think I'm getting close it's it's fun. It's interesting. It's a it's kind of like a slow burn type game. So if you're looking for something more more casual, a little more uh, exploration based, this is the game for you. All right, you sold me. It sounds pretty neat. I uh, I think I'm gonna get it, especially if it's only six bucks. That's right. That's right. How can you how can you not do it? So so yeah. So that's what I would say. Stamp of approval for Shaf for that's what I'm playing. All right. Well, hey, that was a big, uh, a big segue and a big, a big conversation into our geek news. Geek news. 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 All right, boys and girls, it's time for some geek news. Now, we're we're keeping it a little sparse in the geek news because we're going to have a lot to say about Spider-Man: Homecoming, but. Far from home, far from home. Dang, I always do it. I always do it. You said, what did you What did you call it? It's like a... Uh, it's endearing. It's charming. It's a little but endearing it's... little thing that I do that I can't say far from home at all. I probably said it a couple of times already. All right. Well, <laughs> so before we get into our far from home review, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit of geek news and we'll keep it in the world of Marvel to start because Avengers Endgame was re-released into the theaters, although it never actually left the theaters. It's been showing every week, and I've seen it on my Fandango app every week since it's come out. But they, quote, re-released it with some additional footage at the end. Now, I haven't seen this additional footage. Shop has seen it, but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. But ultimately, it was released with this additional footage because they're trying to take the throne back from Avatar as essentially, or excuse me, having the title of top grossing movie of all time worldwide. Now, I have the numbers here, just so we can know where we're at right now. So as it stands, right now, today, July 3rd, 2019, Worldwide Avatar has made $2,788,000,000. Avengers Endgame, after this initial push, made $2,766,000,000. That's a lot of guacamole, but it's not, it's not enough to dethrone. Now, this, uh, this additional footage is still going to be in theaters, but I think it's only going to go downhill from here for the people who are interested in seeing it. I mean, if you were dying to see it, you would have seen it already. 
Um, except for me, because I have a seven-month-old son. <laughs> go out to the movies all the time. One movie a week is what I'm allowed right now. Um, so it it didn't take over Avatar, but it's still pretty close. Twenty-four million is what it needs to tie, and then twenty-four million and one penny is what it needs to take over. So Shaf, you had the experience of going to the theater and seeing this additional footage on top of getting to watch spoilers for Endgame. I know you've seen it already, but just in case, you've got you got to see Tony bite the dust. Yep. You got to see Captain grab that hammer. You got to see Thor jiggle his stomach and everything <laughs> in between. Again, what was this for you, Shaw? This was the fifth, the fifth time. Number Dang, five. Dang, Shaf. You got me beat. Usually I'm the one who goes to Marvel movies over and over and over again. <laughs> well, I wanted to see Endgame as many times as I saw Infinity War in the theater. So I had to see it five times. And uh, once they announced that they were going to do this re-release with the extra footage, I was like, boom, there we go. That's my fifth time. This is perfect. Perfect. So. <laughs> All right. So real quick, everybody, we are about to spoil the additional footage and end, end scenes. I haven't seen these but i'm totally fine with being spoiled because i'm probably not again excuse me not going to get a chance to go to the theater to see it so i'm gonna let shaf spoil me if you don't want to be spoiled just jump ahead a couple seconds or minute or two (laughs) all right shaf hit hit us with it what happens after the credits okay so after the credits the first thing that plays is a stan lee tribute well actually i'm sorry the first thing that appears is um one of the Russos, the taller of the two, I can't remember. He's got the glasses. Um, he uh, introduces the, this uh, this featurette for um, all the extra footage. And so it starts out with a, a Stan Lee tribute, which basically is a lot of behind the scenes of his cameo uh, footage. So it's okay. it's an interview with him sort of spliced together with a lot of content of him interacting with the Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's him in all his costumes, and it's really it's a very touching moment. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy any any chance to see Stan again. Um, you might be crying right now. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, Stan. No, yeah. So it was a uh, it was a heartfelt moment. It was really good. Um, and of course, immediately following a very triumphant ending of Endgame, like the the emotions were running high. It was good. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, after that Stanley tribute, then it flips into a deleted scene. Now, this particular deleted scene has kind of garnered an extreme amount of uproar and outrage amongst Marvel fans, which I don't quite understand. I get a little bit, but I don't quite get why people are so uh, just angry over this. It just doesn't seem worth it to get angry about. Okay. But, um, the delete- I'll tell you if I get angry right now. I'll let you. <laughs> the deleted scene is an unfinished CGI scene. What so, the fuck? <laughs> that's one of the main issues of it's it's focused on on uh, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Okay, but uh, it's it would probably if it were in the movie, it would probably have been his introduction. So rather than seeing him for the first time in that diner where he's eating basically the entire restaurant's supply of eggs, bacon, (laughs) and burritos and all sorts of stuff, um, it would have been um, him saving people out of a burning building. Now, here's the setup. These, uh, this burning, uh, this building is on fire. It's, uh, there's people inside and the, 
I don't know what city it takes place in, but let's just say it takes place in Los Angeles. Okay. The building sort of looks a little bit like Nakatomi Plaza. Okay. The uh, main police chief, fire chief, police chief, police chief, uh, is none other than Family Matters guy, Carl Winslow. Are you serious? Serious. Reginald Bell Johnson was yes. cut from Endgame? Yes. And what? he's playing, and he's playing. I'm the getting chief. angry. Yeah, right. And uh, he's like struggling to figure out what they're going to do to save those people up there because the building is like just totally ablaze and it's about to come down. Out of nowhere, Hulk flies in through the, the, the building, through like the window, saves the people, basically puts them into a satellite dish that's on the roof, and okay. then jumps off the roof with them in the satellite dish and then sets the satellite dish down. Now, Hulk is the unrendered version. So it's more like an animatic, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. Um, is it Angry Hulk or is it... It's uh, Professor Hulk, Smart Professor Hulk. Hulk. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's, he is wearing his purple suit that he wears uh, when he does his, his snap. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not very animated. It's, it's, it's pretty crude. And it's also not very accurate in terms of his size. Uh, it's thrown off a little bit with that. And then the, he basically tells Carl Winslow how to take down the the building in a in a careful way. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I forget exactly how he said it, but he talked about dropping bombs in very specific spots. Mm-hmm. And I it kind of reminds me of the way that uh Tony took down that building when he was facing off against the Hulk in the Hulkbuster mm-hmm. armor. And so I kind of think it was sort of a callback to that uh from Age of Ultron. <clears throat> But I'm not 100% sure. I didn't quite understand the, the, the need for that dialogue. But that was his interaction with the police chief. And then he gets a phone call and he answers it. And again, this is all really like crude CGI. Okay. And he answers it and he says, Steve who? And then the scene ends. So it doesn't, it's like almost doesn't even make sense. Like what, why would he not know Steve, like Steve Rogers? Like it, it's just. Steve just, Martin. He's like, who? Steve Martin? Like, it makes me wonder if that was, like, the phone call that after Steve was like, oh, we need to contact somebody else since Tony Stark won't help us with the time travel piece. So then he calls Hulk, and this is Hulk has just finished saving people, and he gets the phone call. But then he's like, Steve who? It's like, it's a really weird situation. So I was like, I get that a little bit, but people on Twitter have been pissed, freaking pissed. They wrote things like, you're telling me that the extra scene they added to Endgame was an unfinished clip of the Hulk saving a couple people, then answering a phone call, which doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> he says they could have done anything, literally anything with the amount of footage they have. They could have given us bloopers, deleted scenes, but they chose to give us a half-assed clip that wasn't even completely rendered. Bloopers there are some pictures right. online of the, of the Hulk. And it, it really does. It looks like, if I could put it like in perspective, it looks like if you were playing maybe a video game that came out in say like 2003 and it had one of those in-game cinematics, mm-hmm. it would look like that. Oh man. <laughs> so well, that's right. They probably never finished it because they realized it was dumb. <laughs> They're like, well, why would he just answer the phone and say, see boo? <laughs> I get the trouble of finishing the the animation. 
Oh. <laughs> Somebody put so, a Superman CGI upper lip is the worst thing to be on a high budget uh, film ever. And then it says end game re-release end credit Hulk scene. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. So, All right. okay. So, so that's that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it closes out with a first look at Spider-Man far from home. Okay. And, for and we'll talk talk more about this during our far from home segment but the scene that it introduces is the first appearance of Mysterio which is also actually the first minute or two of the movie mm-hmm. where Nick Fury and Agent Hill mm-hmm. arrive in Mexico to sort of um investigate investigate a situation that happened in New Mexico City. And that's when Mysterio appears for the first time. So that's the scene we get. And it ends with him using his energy blasts um, against the newly formed uh, rock elemental monster that has just appeared in uh, Mexico. Okay. And that's how the scene ends. And that's, that's it? That's it. That's all the content. That seems like 30 seconds. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was six minutes of footage. Now, the Stanley piece was probably about two, two and a half minutes. Uh-huh. Um, I think the, the it was probably like maybe two or three minutes and then another two and then another two or something like that. I don't know. It was, it was, there wasn't much there. So I feel like the opening, the opening sequence of Far From Home, though, was less than a minute. Oh, yeah. It was quick. Man. Well, was it worth? <laughs> was um, it worth uh, the I mean, it was worth it. It was worth yeah. it to see Endgame again. Um, I personally, here's what I would have liked. I would have liked instead of this deleted scene with Hulk. Not that I had a huge issue with it because I, I I laughed at it, but um, they had mentioned early on that Michael Pena had had filmed like a recap. Oh yeah. Of, of the, the entire phase one, phase two, phase yeah, three. Yeah, of all the MCU. And mm-hmm. I would have liked that to have been the feature. Like that would have been something. Like, that would have been awesome. They say that the footage exists. Like, that would have, to me, been the ultimate, like, thank you, audience, for everything. Here you go. Here's some extra footage. You don't, you can, you can look at deleted scenes on a, on a Blu-ray, whatever. Like, if you want to really go that route. But if if you want some extra fun footage, this is what you got to do. Something like this. So I would have been far more happy if they released that footage. That's what I would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, deleted scenes are deleted for a reason yeah. most of the time. And so, like, I can sort of see why, based on what you described, why they might have got rid of that scene. <laughs> they cut that <laughs> out. And I remember reading a story. I, I believe we even reported on it in a, a previous episode where they pretty much used the majority of the the footage they shot. Like there wasn't much that wasn't left out of the movie. Right. Um, so they probably were scrambling to find a, a deleted scene or like, well, just throw them this. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be fine. They're, these, these geeks, they ate it up with a spoon. So, Oh, my last question is before the movie started, was there like a little warning at the beginning of the movie saying, Hey, there's new scenes at the end. Stay till the end. Totally. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Again, one of the Russo brothers appeared uh, and said, Hey, stick around afterwards. Cause we got some extra footage for you. So yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you have it folks. Uh, if you haven't seen it already and you feel like Shaft didn't do a good enough job, why don't you chip in a couple bucks to the uh, Avengers Endgame beats avatar fund? All we need is a cool <laughs> 24 million and a penny and we will take over That's as number right. one. 
All right. So moving on, what, what else do we got in the world of Geek News Shop? Ooh, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, if you were to find some ghosts, who would you call? Oh, shoot. God dang it. Um, oh, those Lady Ghostbusters, Leslie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Jones. That's who I do. That's who I call. Well, you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Except, except that um, this, this uh, Ghostbusters team Mm-hmm. that we saw with all these girls. Guess what? They're not coming back. Oh, that's right. But, 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 Jason Reitman, uh, recently in the news, because, of course, he's making another Ghostbusters film. And this is actually supposed to be a sequel to Ghostbusters 2. <clears throat> so this is absolutely, um, in the grand scheme of things, just many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, his father, Ivan Reitman, directed the original Ghostbusters, so he's keeping it in the family. But uh, most recently, the news were centered around who is the first to answer the call and join the Ghostbusters as one of the main cast. And um, Wonder Rob, it's it's someone we love. Oh, all right. I'm going to guess. Someone we love. Shoot. Hmm. I'm thinking... I'm thinking uh, Alf. You and I both have an affinity for Alf. <laughs> Alf is in this movie. You're right. We're getting no. Alf. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, man. But, this movie sucks. But it is, still mad. it is Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Oh, That's right. All right. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd Paul is in Rudson. final negotiations to join Sony's latest installment of Ghostbusters. Now, he's supposed to play a teacher in the film. Um, okay. We actually posted this article on our Facebook, and I, I one of the first comments on it, I laughed at, because someone said, and if you're listening to this and you wrote this, uh, know that I'm not making fun of you, but I did find it funny. <laughs> um, you said, he's going to play Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, it was just so out of context. And there's no like last names. Like he's gonna play Peter. <laughs> I was like, okay, Venkman, is that what we're going for here? This is just fun. no. He's just shout out to that guy. <laughs> um, some other characters who are characters. Some other actors and actresses that are being um, considered or in talks to play uh, parts are Carrie Coon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Coon in the Marvel world. We saw her in motion capture as well as uh, voiceover for Proxima Midnight, one of the Black Order. Okay, all right. So Thanos is uh, our children of Thanos. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also Stranger Things, Finn Wolfhard. Um, He's the one who has like the crush on Eleven from Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. He was also in the movie It. Uh, He's doing lots of great stuff. Um, He's supposed to be in it. And then also gifted star McKenna Grace. And McKenna Grace, if I'm not mistaken... I think she played the young version of Carol Danvers in uh, Captain Marvel. Let me see. Hmm. Yes. Yes, she did. She's kicking ass right now. She's this young actress and she's this little blonde, cute girl, and she's, she's doing awesome. Um, so she is doing all sorts of great stuff and we seem to have the beginnings of a great cast. So this is going to be coming out in 2020, uh, summer of next year. And uh, we'll have more news as we find out. But what do you think of Paul Rudd joining the uh, Ghostbusters? I'm about it. Like it's it's the it's the summer of Paul Rudd. Like <laughs> really Paul is. Rudd is in, in the same sort of space with Keanu Reeves right now, where they just can't seem to do anything wrong. It's so true. I, 
I'm, I'm about it. Like, I, I think it's going to be good. But I keep waiting to see if they're going to get Rick Moranis. If they can get him out of retirement to do part three, billion dollar movie. People are going to flock to see this. And I think this might be the one. There's been no talk yet. They've, they've mentioned, of course, you know, the, the past Ghostbusters who are still alive, you know, Winston and Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, that they're going to be reprising the roles. And even Sigourney Weaver uh, is likely to return also. Um, also, the girl, I forget her name. I'm totally blanking on it. But the girl who goes, Ghostbusters. <laughs> we got one! <laughs> Ghostbusters, what do you want? Uh, her name's Janine in the movie, and she's played by Annie Potts. Yes, me like she. Me uh, like she, too. So they're, they're getting everybody back. Just get Rick Moranis. Just get Rick Moranis back. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. I would love that. I would love that. I actually hope, my hope is because they cast Paul Rudd. My hope is that they get Seth Rogen in there, too. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it's got to happen. You know, Jonah you got to have Put Jonah Hill in it. <laughs> get all of them in it. Put Billy Eichner in it. Put make him a, an angry oh, ghost. I like that. I like that. <laughs> this is why we should be working in Hollywood. Billy on the street. Ghostbusters, but Billy Eichner. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Eichner great. as Janine. As and, oh my god, I love it. It's great, you guys. Well, uh, we've got that to look forward to. Now uh, let's switch gears from. From uh, definitely happening to theoretically to probably not happening, but still fun to talk about. Anyway, Back to the Future star Christopher Lloyd knows what the fourth movie should tackle. What? Yes. So Christopher Lloyd has voiced his opinion on what Back to the Future 4 should be. Now, I'm a strong advocate for when actors say they want something or they should be in a part or anything along those lines is that that's not news. <laughs> Any actor would say, oh, I want to be Batman. No, no kidding. Every <laughs> fucking actor wants to be Batman. <laughs> Stop. This isn't news. But when Christopher Lloyd comes out of the woodwork and says, a, that he's, he's open to the idea of doing a fourth one when in the past it's not really been a thing that he's been interested in and that we're in the we're in the age of movies where everything's coming back we're getting a new ghostbusters we got a new dumb and dumber we're getting bill and ted freaking part three next summer so why not a back to the future four so christopher lloyd uh went on record letting everybody know his idea now shaf you haven't heard the idea no in fact um we of course keep an agenda for our episodes but believe it or not we have structure for these episodes and <laughs> i have not clicked on this link to read this article because i wanted to be surprised i want wonder rob to fill me in as if i'm just sitting here listening to this podcast myself and i've never heard this article so yeah Man. lay it on me thick brother it's too all right I'll, oh i'll lay it on thick <laughs> open wide <laughs> okay as a matter of fact you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna preface this by what what he says and how he says it i don't think is what you think you you're gonna hear right now but i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to you okay this all is right. what he said marty 
<laughs> he didn't say the Marty part, but I, I have to say Marty in order to get into the Doc Brown voice. Yeah, you got to. So, so it's, you got to do it. It's like, it's like when we do our Michael Caine impressions, how we have to be, I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> okay, so Marty, I think somehow it needs to convey a message about something that's important to everyone universally, like, like climate change. The actor said, Marty, <laughs> some way of incorporating whatever fever is going on at the moment into the film and keep the feeling of one, two, and three. Marty, that's tricky, tricky deal, Marty. I think I'm getting into Rick, actually, from Rick and Morty. You are, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you don't want to do another one and disappoint. Okay, I'm just going to leave the impressions alone. So I don't know. I'd be happy to for myself, but we'll see. So that's Christopher Lloyd's idea. That's not an idea at all. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> Which is why when you're like, hyping yourself up like for his idea. Like, give me some plot ideas. No, he just wants, he's like, I just want it to be timely. Uh, I'd like it to be thoughtful. And I'd like it to somehow incorporate all the other movies, uh, the spirit of those movies. Well, duh. Gosh. Yeah. Well, he went on to say, uh, he was asked about working with Michael J. Fox, and he he called Michael J. Fox easy to work with. Uh, he said that he prefers his martinis uh, shaken and not stirred. thought that was a little off color. <laughs> uh, he was who he was. I was who I am. And there was never anything awkward. We just knew how to be our characters with each other, and it was very comfortable. He has a great sense of humor and intelligence. He's just so present. So we ended it on a nice note. Yeah. Um, of course, like I said, we are in the era of remakes right now, but Back to the Future, it's been one of these movies that has just stayed off the radar of remakes. So we may or may not ever see another Back to the Future movie. Uh, the closest thing I think we're, we ever get to a real sequel to Back to the Future would be the uh, Back to the Future game that came out in 2010, I think, uh, by Telltale Games, the now defunct Telltale Games. Yeah. Uh, where Christopher Lloyd actually reprised his role as Dr. Brown. Um, and they got a good sound alike for Marty, but it was it was pretty much Back to the Future 4. So I think if you're looking for a Back to the Future 4 fix, hey, just go find that game. It's it's in the dollar bin at GameStop. It's on, it's on your iPad. You can play it. But there you go. Another reason why uh, actors' opinions are not news. Wonder Rob, can I share my idea for Back to the Future All right. 4? All right, hit me with it. Hit All me right. with it. I'm going to give you like the Cliss notes because I've, I've thought about this. I've legit, there was a time when I was in like screenwriting class where I was actively considering if I could ever get the rights to do this, what I would do with it. <laughs> now, Robert Zemeckis will probably never give up these rights um, to have anybody else make a Back to the Future movie. And he has no interest in making any, so it's not going to happen. But my idea... If I could just get the rights. Yeah. Sorry, it just reminded me, it was making me laugh. It reminds me of, there was this joke on The Office where Daryl and Jim were meeting with um, an athlete who had written a movie script. And they were yes. reading the movie script out loud. And it's like, yes. Darth Vader walks in. Also, I'm going to need you to get the rights to Darth Vader. <laughs> get on it <laughs> and, and he keeps reciting subway eat fresh <laughs> yeah he keeps saying eat fresh <laughs> so he said if i can just get the rights to back to the future <laughs> so everything will just work out so funny 
Um, okay, yeah. Okay, so, hit me, hit me with your idea. If I could just get the rights to Back to the Future, here's what I'd do. So the movie would be centered around Jules and Vern as teenage okay. teenage guys. So okay. this, is, this is long after. Doc Brown's still alive, but they're much older. That It's not about them. This is a story about the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jules and Vern do not get along. There's a lot of sibling rivalry. One of them is more of a... Um, uh, more of a troublemaker. The other one is more straight laced, uh, follows the rules. So they, they're constantly kind of thorns in each other's sides. Um, but they, they end up using the time machine. This is the locomotive time machine mm-hmm. and they go, um, uh, to the future. They go, uh, yeah, no, to I'm sorry. No, no, no. Okay. So before they go to the, the, before they go to the past, they um, uh, have equally set up dates, and they didn't realize this, but they've set up dates with Biff's granddaughter. Okay. And she, so they have like a thing for her, and she ends up on the time machine. I'm not sure how. I didn't think this part through, but she ends up going on. These, <laughs> she ends up going on these adventures with them. And mm-hmm. it ends up being a situation where there's a love triangle, but also there's this idea of parents not approving of the son's love interest because she's a tannin and all the tannins are bad. And it's the idea of, can you change uh, your family's legacy? Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so that was my idea. All right. <laughs> so if well, if, I, I if that movie gets made, if that movie gets made, I will know that it was because a listener was listening to the podcast, and then I will come find you, and I will sue you. So just, I will sue you. I will sue you. There will be nothing <laughs> left in your bank account by the time I'm done with you for stealing my million dollar idea. I love it. I love it. Please, somebody steal it. I would love to see Shop hunt somebody down. <laughs> that will be when Shop goes off, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got one last piece of news, Shop. One That's last right. piece of news. Here, I'll let you. I'll let you take the reins. All right. I'll let you All take right. the reins on this one, pal. Okay. So. Uh, all of us are pretty excited because Star Wars Nine is on its way. It'll be here before we know it. And this particular movie uh, is, of course, uh, called Rise of Skywalker. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Mark Hamill was recently in the news because he was talking about this movie, and he has declared that this film is his final episode. Now, spoiler alert for those that don't know, technically, uh, Luke Skywalker died during the events of The Last Jedi, um, as well as my interest in Star Wars died in, during The Last Jedi too, But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this film will arrive on December 20th and it will seemingly wrap up everything. Now, he did have a nice heroic death. He sacrificed himself for the greater good. A lot of people will uh, are starting to think that he'll be back in, in more of a force ghost capacity. Um, mm-hmm. But the exact details of his return remain a secret. So, um, you know, we, we kind of have come to terms with the idea that the Skywalker saga is coming to an end. And uh, me personally, I'm okay with that. I'm ready for things to move on uh, to other people. And it's a huge uh, universe out there uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So um, I don't think that we need to spend so much time on one family. Like that just doesn't seem necessary. 
I'd like to see stuff in like the Knights of the Old Republic time frame or something like that. Like that would be more fun. That'd to be all right. That'd be all right. Yeah. I want to so, see a Star Tours movie. Give me a, a movie version of Star Tours with Rex. <laughs> bumbling and messing everything up. That's what I want to see. Before he becomes a DJ over at uh, Ogus Cantina, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they just made a Star Tours movie with Rex that was just a total like bumbling comedy, but just set in the Star Wars universe? I That's what you should be writing, Shaw. Get on it. <laughs> now, um, in addition to the Star Wars news, but in totally related, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that this news is as of today, by the way. This afternoon, uh, Daisy Ridley was interviewed, and she said the subject of Ray's parents came up again. And uh, for mm-hmm. those that don't know, J.J. Abrams introduced uh, Ray's character in Force Awakens, but Ryan Johnson took over the directorial rights in Last Jedi. And mm-hmm. the choices that were made in that movie indicated that Ray's parents were basically junkies who sold mm-hmm. her into bondage so they could get their next fix. Um, mm-hmm. Now, a lot of us kind of like were like, really? That's all this buildup for that? And Ryan kind of wanted to play off of that and sort of say that, you know, her parents don't have to be anybody important for her to be important. She's important because she's important, not because of her parents. And I like that idea. I was okay with that. I'll accept it. But it does seem like J.J. Abrams does have plans to completely overturn and retcon uh, Ray's parentage back to what he probably originally intended it to be since he was sort of the crafter... um, of this new trilogy and Ridley uh, Daisy Ridley has gone on record and said that JJ Abrams did say the question will be answered in this movie. So in the rise of Skywalker, we are going to see at the end of the film, you'll know the dealio surrounding her parents. So maybe we're just going to get information that yes, her parents were nobodies and they were junk traders and they died on Jakku. Or maybe we're going to find out that she actually does have some more, royal lineage in terms of uh, maybe Jedi parents, uh, whether she's Luke's daughter or Obi-Wan Kenobi's daughter or Palpatine's daughter or whatever else. Who knows? And literally anybody's daughter, Jabba's daughter. Jabba's you daughter. Know. Just slid right out of that, that Jabba the Hutt worm's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Covered in news. Like, you remember the scene in Ace Ventura uh, when nature calls when a when he says coming out of the robot rhino, yes. same thing. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> that rhino was hot. Put that in your Star Tours movie too, Shop. <laughs> free idea, free of charge. Yes. All right, folks. So what we're gonna do is that's our that's our geek news for today. So it's abbreviated, it's truncated, it's shorter because we want to have plenty of time to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. So <laughs> it's shorter, but somehow we've still been talking for almost an hour. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We have been talking for yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So uh, we're gonna take a short break. And during that time, we're going to give you all the details on where you can find us so that you can make sure you're subscribing, liking, sharing, reviewing, rating, posting. All the things. All the things. All the things. All the things. We'll be right back. Hey, gang, it's Wonder Rob again. And Shaf's here, too. We just wanted to take a quick break to let you know where you can find us on social media. That's right. Catch us on Twitter at Geek So To Speak PC, where I'll be tweeting and retweeting all of the latest geek news. Also, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Geek So To Speak 
podcast where yours truly will be serving up those deliciously geeky posts, not to mention memes, trailers, articles, videos, and much, much more. While, of course, Shock celebrates his inner geek on Instagram with all kinds of geekgasm, inducing pics and me. <laughs> if you're enjoying what you're hearing, let us know. Find us and follow us, rate us and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Google Play. We got new episodes every week, so don't forget to tune in. Same geek time, same geek channel. And we're back. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. We love you guys. We we really love you. Like we love you like like long time. Yeah, like <laughs> I wouldn't do you, but if Shaft did you, I'd be like details. <laughs> no, I, I thought you were gonna say if I did them, then you would do them, like so we could be Eskimo brothers. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. High five. Tower <laughs> style yes. to our listeners. Yes, that's how much we love you. <laughs> now, okay. So for those that don't know, we always like we're gonna get heavy into spoilers. We do not hold back on that for our segments because you know we know that you can press pause if you haven't seen the movie yet and you can come back to us later and we like that. So uh, this is your spoiler warning. We are getting into it. So we're going to talk all things Spider-Man Far From Home from here on forward. If you do not want to be spoiled, now is your chance to press pause and listen to one of our earlier episodes. Stick with us though. Don't go somewhere else. Just listen to us for and listen to older stuff. Yeah. 65 other episodes for you to enjoy. So there's plenty of things to do. And I think um, it's uh, worth note that our very, 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 very first episode of Geek So to Speak podcast was Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And you were a guest on that one. <laughs> yeah, I was only a guest host on that one. That was when Shop was was going solo. That's right. That's right. And then I learned my lesson. I was like, I need Wonder Rob with me all the time yeah so go back and listen to that one if you haven't seen uh far from home but keep in mind that was our first episode yeah <laughs> and it was a lot different it's a different theme song the whole the, the, the whole structure of the show is different it's way different and it was much shorter back then the episodes were like 30 minutes tops <laughs> oh man so all right so from here on forward spoilers Spoilers are plenty. One of our favorite things to do is review movies, TV, and games. Okay, so Spider-Man Far From Home. Holy shit. Yes, right? sir, dude. It's out. It's here. I I almost forgot that it was coming out, actually. Like, I, I really hadn't thought about Far From Home in a while since really our episode where we talked about the trailer, where we did our trailer breakdown. So it just sort of was under the radar for me. And then you reminded me, hey, it was like three days ago. You're like, on Tuesday, we're going to go see Far From Home. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I, I bought my ticket a month earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and I just forgot. I just plain like wasn't thinking about it. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. It was like a nice little surprise. I was like nice and patient. <laughs> and it now, came back. They they have done really well right out of the gate. Like their their box office results are are kicking ass. So yes, that's a, a good point, Shaf. So of course, as of right now, today, the third, it's only been out for one day. So we don't have our usual box office numbers that we like to report on. But I can tell you that it made thirty nine point two million dollars yesterday, which is the world record setting number for biggest movie opening on a Tuesday. So good for you, Spider-Man Far From Home. Just get a little clap. And rightfully so, because Endgame was obviously a big hit. 
And people are just chomping at the bit to see what's going to happen next, especially in a world without Tony Stark. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, so I saw this movie last night at 7. And you saw it. What time was your show? My was show was at... It was at seven as well. I, I actually thought you were seeing a later show because when you communicated to me earlier that day, you were like, yeah, I think my, my show time is like 8, 15 or something like that. I was like, oh, I'm going earlier. I'm going to get to see. Okay, I probably, that sounds like something I would say because usually I pick an eight fifteen show just because it's quiet and it's yeah. late. And I put the, the boy to bed by that time so I can get out of the house. <laughs> so it's fine. But I don't know why I picked a seven o'clock show. But the reason I'm bringing this up, everybody, is because after the end credit scene, which we'll get to in a minute, I immediately texted Shaf, just capital letters, the word dude. And he texted it right back, dude. And we figured out that we were in the exact same spot. <laughs> like, the movie ended at the exact same moment for us both. And so there was like another two minute period where we weren't talking because the, the final end credit scene was happening. And then oh. we started talking. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So overall impressions of the movie, I'm going to go first. I okay. love this movie. Okay. I loved it. I, it's, it's among my favorite MCU movies, no doubt. All right. All I right. Really, really enjoyed it. I have my, my gripes are minor minor overall um i mostly have nothing but positive things to say about this movie um freaking love tom holland as peter parker he's so good as peter parker it's he's great i mean spider-man too he's he's so great at both characters and i think that's so important a lot of times you'll get actors who are really good at one and not the other and Mm -hmm. he embodies the best aspects of both characters so well Oh, I agree. I mean, I think it's pretty much universally known at this point that at least for right now, Mr. Holland, Tom, as I like to call him, we are (laughs) experiencing the definitive Spider-Man followed closely by Toby, depending on your opinion of those movies, and trailing way behind Andrew (laughs) Garfield. Um, But Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is like Back to the Future 3, meaning, yeah, I like Back to the Future 3. It's on. I'll watch it. It's not my favorite Back to the Future. I want us to watch it. Same with Andrew Garfield. So I, I sort of I hold him at that level. Um, but I liked this movie. I Scratch that. I loved this movie as well. Um, I had a packed theater when I went and saw it. When I bought my tickets a month ago, I I had very limited options in terms of where I could sit, which was very surprising because I didn't think it was going to sell out that fast. So I was off in the corner by myself. But I still enjoyed it, and I only mildly annoyed my neighbor uh, during certain key moments of the film where guttural reactions came out, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, But I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So um, let's just do a real quick brief summary of the movie shop. Well, wonder Rob, you're going to have to do your, uh, your several word synopsis yes okay so for those of you who are new to the podcast Shaf makes me play this game where <laughs> i have to describe the movie in so many words or less all right, right. so hit me with it Shaf. what's the challenge this week all right so the movie came out in 2019 you get 19 words one nine. Oh man I botched this up real bad with Men in Black. <laughs> okay, so I gotta I gotta redeem myself. I did okay with Toy Story, I think. Yeah, yeah. Toy Story Four. 
but men in black man i'm i screwed the pooch on that one so i don't want to i don't, <laughs> don't go be, all in on actors names <laughs> yeah don't name the actors names in my 19 words okay okay 19 words or less here we go look good feel good look good feel good okay tony stark's dead Peter misses him. Is he the new Iron Man? Question mark. Question mark doesn't count. <laughs> oh man, I'm getting. I'm running out of words. I, I got this. Okay, is he the new Iron Man? Who knows? He's in Europe. Mysterio. Shit. <laughs> That's it. Nineteen words. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right it's it's uh probably as good as you're gonna get i think all right well <laughs> that was me trying to explain it in 19 words let me explain to you what the actual plot of the movie is you guys so in the wake of tony stark's death and the wake of and the events of Endgame, a world is left without tony stark without iron man without black widow without the the thor i almost called him the hulk <laughs> but the hulk's too without thor Without Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange is MIA right now. So who who do you call in this situation? Spider-Man, of course. Spider-Man, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, just wants to be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But there are these strange occurrences around the world, these elemental beings coming around and tearing ass through cities, killing people, destroying property. Nick Fury needs a hero. Who does he recruit? Spider-Man the one that Tony Stark believed in, the one that Tony Stark leaves his legacy for. So Peter embarks on a high school trip to Europe, which was secretly set up by Nick Fury. And everything breaks loose. He runs into the new hero, the new world saver, Mysterio, Quentin Beck. But is everything really what it seems? We'll tell you. <laughs> That's the description of the movie. I like that. Okay, so let's let's chow down, man. Yeah, let's let's, let's talk about let's let's first talk about Mysterio since okay. he's the big the big villain now. Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio. Um, as many of you probably out there know, he was on tap to take over the role of Spider Man from Tobey Maguire. Way back when, 2003, four, I'm forgetting the year, but when Spider-Man 2 came out, because uh, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, hurt his back filming Seabiscuit, uh, horse movie, <laughs> um, and was... Cider House Rules! <laughs> the Cider House Rules! Rules! Oh, man, good times. <laughs> uh, but essentially, it was looking bleak for him. Uh, with his injury, that he wasn't going to be able to take the part. And so all eyes, including Sam Raimi's and Sony's, were looking at Jake Gyllenhaal. Of course, we know how that played out. It didn't come to fruition, and Toby kept up the part. So this is sort of like a homecoming (laughs) (laughs) for Jake Gyllenhaal. Now, they went full – they just went full Mysterio. They really did. They didn't hold back. They just were like, guess what? It's fucking Mysterio, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and they went for it, and I loved it. Well, now, okay, okay, keep no, going. Go, go ahead. Yeah, no, so I was, what I was going to say is they, 
they really relied on the general public not knowing who Mysterio is. Yes, you're right. That's exactly what I was about to say. Okay. What I was about to say was anybody who's familiar with the character know, pretty much knew, maybe not the whole plot of the movie, but the general direction of the film because Quentin Beck is a pathological liar, trickster, uh, uh, illusionist. And that's really what his powers are based off of. So we sort of knew going in really what was going to happen. For, for the most part, at least the, the arc that his character was going to take. We knew I, that. Will, I will say, though, the trailers, because they were so committed to showing Mysterio as a good guy and uh-huh. that he was working with Peter and, and a, an ally of Spider-Man. In fact, there's even like a trailer that makes him an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he like Mysterio is joining the Avengers. Um, as well as all the interviews, which of course these were things that they were doing to, to make sure to propel the idea that he's an ally and not an enemy. Yeah. But it was enough promotional uh, push that I, I actually second guessed myself. I was like, maybe he is going to be a good guy in this movie. Maybe they're stretching out his betrayal for another yeah. movie. Like I maybe, mean, maybe, maybe, maybe scrolls good. Yeah, maybe it's like a slow burn type situation. Um, so I was I was like prepared for anything going into this movie. But what I wasn't prepared for, at least I thought I w- was prepared for, but wasn't prepared for, was just how fucking awesome Mysterio is visually. Um, to to The fact that we've never seen a live action Mysterio until now and seeing what they did with this character, unbelievably cool to watch. And I, I wish I had seen it in IMAX 3d because I can only imagine how much fun that would be to watch it that way. Oh, especially the, uh, the, we're, we're talking about the movie out of order, everybody. So just yeah. deal with that. But the, the sequence in the middle, yes, where he's coming after Peter essentially to, to take him out and he just goes full Mysterio on him. Yes. was great. And I loved it because the tone of that sequence was so different than the rest of the movie. And obviously it's his powers, but I mean, he's like, like, you're not good enough. Like dead Tony Stark rising from the graves, like full Marvel zombie Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> like I was like, holy cow, what am I watching right now? Yeah. It was very, very good. Oh and my it, gosh. And it, and it kept you guessing because you didn't know what was happening. And even like he would s- seemingly be out of the sequence, but it was really just more of the sequence. Like it was yes. just, it was, it was so good. It was very good. And one thing I think this movie teaches you in a lot of ways, and we'll get into all of them, but I think that one of the main takeaways is that you can't take everything at first. Like don't trust your eyes. Basically it is, is kind of the main takeaway because the, these twists, these unpredictable illusions happen so much so frequently and to more characters than you think that it's just like wow this movie is absolutely set up with this concept of illusion and it's more than just mysterio and there's a lot to it and it's it's very layered and i'm so impressed with what they put together and so much is left out of the trailers and i'm so glad about that um because it just made the reveals as you, as we, you know, as they ex- we experienced them, made them that much more cool. So I, I dug it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And then <clears throat> sort of hopping back onto what you were saying, Shaf, where you said it's more of a don't trust your eyes. This this movie in particular, uh, at least with this iteration of Spider Man, Spider Man's spider sense or his Peter Tingle, <laughs> has it really been prevalent uh, or shown that much? I mean, you got a little tiny taste of it in Avengers: Infinity War with his his uh, arm hair sticking up, and he turns and looks around. I still think you see it like a smidge in Civil War as specifically when Spider-Man is fighting uh, the Falcon and Bucky and he's up in the rafters and he turns and looks or he gets startled because he senses a, a, a car door is flying at him. Like he just dodges it immediately without looking at it. So like, I, I always felt like that was a taste of spider sense too, but rounding back to what you were saying, Shop, is that the, the whole final sequence of the movie where he's fighting Mysterio, I mean, it's all within the illusion and he's just dodging drones and just hopping and, and going nuts and even, even stops Mysterio from shooting him in the head when Mysterio is in front of him on the ground. It's actually Mysterio behind him the whole time. Yeah. It was, it was so good. It was so good. I was leaning forward in my seat so the image would hit me faster. From the <laughs> light from the screen would hit my eyes faster. That's how that's how much I was into it during that time. <laughs> now, yeah, I oh my god, I can't I cannot agree with you more. The the twist at that end where he was not actually the body that that Peter was looking at. He was another illusion. Like it was illusions on illusions, and he talked about all these contingency plans that he had built up. And uh, you know, th- we may as well, since we're talking about Mysterio, the fact that he dies at the end of this movie. Supposedly. To me, that in itself, there's no way that's true. There's mm-hmm. no way. Like, I fully believe that that is another illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the other thing is, if even if it's not an illusion that he did die, his um, projections, mm-hmm. Mysterio, the character, the... Um, uh, the illusion that lives on and that mm-hmm. could be controlled by anyone since it's just motion capture. So the fact that this character is actually the culmination of the teamwork of all these disgruntled Stark employees. Mm-hmm. And we see that one dude uh, from the original Iron Man movie who gets yelled at by, by Obadiah Stain saying, I want Rob. I, I want you to say this one because you do it really well. Okay. <laughs> Obadiah staying young at him saying, "Get ready, folks." <laughs> Tony Stark built this in a cave with a bunch of scraps. Yes, <laughs> with a bunch of scraps. That's right. So, the, who would have thunk that that character would have been more than just a just pull him out of out of just a lowly scientist? No, no, no. He's one of the main dudes that's working behind the scenes to make Mysterio a reality. I know. That's what I meant. They just pulled his character out of fucking nowhere. They're just like, remember this guy? <laughs> Guess what? He's here. Now, the only uh, criticism I have about Mysterio is that I don't truly understand what he was trying to do. Like, what was his end goal? He ultimately wanted control over a the the tech the stark tech 
which it was essentially, you know, the plot where he got the glasses, he tricked Peter and got the glasses from him, but we'll get back to that. Um, but his, his whole thing was people are believing the wrong people and they need to believe the right people. And so he's, he, he combines all the things that everybody w- was used to and was used to believing. I mean, he smushed Thor, like the cape. He smushed Doctor Strange, like with the the like the projections like the magic that he was doing from his hands the iron man where he's just sort of flying around iron man style like he took all these elements from all these other heroes and smushed them together to be the ultimate hero so he would gain the trust of the general public and then essentially can you know to stick his opinions on people and people are listening to him because he's the number one hero no yeah i i, I think i just I kind of got that, but I, I I wanted there to be something more like what what was he ultimately going to do with the drones other than use them for his illusion? Like, did he have motives to do any kind of destruction? Was he really just trying to get the public to see that they should stop trusting superheroes? Like, was there um, that part just seemed a little bit murky to me? Um, is my was my only criticism of him as far as his motivations. Um, I, I I appreciated the fact that he had sort of the backstory, even though it was retconned, mm-hmm. of him himself being part of the the think tank that created Barf. Yeah, he's mad. The, the his real purpose was that he was mad that Tony Stark called this invention Barf. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. But one thing I love about this movie is how much they grab from other MCU movies to help the technology and everything else make sense. I completely appreciated and bought the fact that all of his, his projections were basically um, taking the barf technology to the, to the next level. Like it's brilliant. It, it makes it so it's really takes place in this universe. You don't have to wonder, well, how did they get from point A to point B? It's very simple. They already had it, the technology right underneath our noses. We don't even think that that was how they were going to accomplish that. That's just brilliant writing to me. Let me tell you who the real psychopath on his team was. This is a thought that I had when I was watching it. So they that they do the whole sequence where you see the guy from Obadiah Stane and you see this team member was was this person in the past with Tony and this person was this person. Then I got yelled at by Tony. And then it's like, and this is the costume designer. And she was just in it to fuck people. Like she was, she didn't have any connection to Tony Stark. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm making the costume. <laughs> and they keep going back to her steaming the cape. Yeah. Oh this my like, gosh. This was lady's dying. the real friggin' psycho. He's like, do you <laughs> still like, need the cape? He's like, yes, I still need the cape. <laughs> the cape's got to be perfect. all new. Peter Parker's identity. We'll, we'll get more to Peter Parker's identity. But I was like, oh, the, all these people were bad and they all knew who Peter Parker is. So I was like, <laughs> Come on, man, Peter. Ugh. Okay, but where we... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, we agree that we love Mysterio. Absolutely. Ultimately what I'm saying. Um, another thing that I felt was really awesome, but also uh, uh, integral uh, to the, the plot is just how much Tony Stark's death and his spirit was lingering over this movie. Like it was so much an epilogue to Endgame. It makes perfect sense why this movie fits in as the the closure and the real end movie of Phase Three because it mm-hmm. it is so influenced by the loss of Tony Stark 
and what that means for the MCU. Uh, it's, it, I, I mean, it's crazy how much it factors into it from just basic plot device to overarching motivations to um, uh, very much character development for Spider-Man in general. Um, you really feel for Peter because he really does feel like he, you, you can sense that loss right along with him because in a way we all lost Tony Stark too. And, uh, and we've, you know, grown up with him over the past 11 years. And um, so it's, it's as much our loss as it is Peter's. So it's really a great way to approach it because it's like, we all need to go through the various levels of grief and bereavement and we're witnessing it with Peter um, as he goes through it. So it's, I, I love that his Spirit is so prevalent in this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it felt it felt more like Spider-Man becoming Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like it felt like it almost felt like the movie was if you if you took the movie and shrunk it down to like a one minute, for example, that it would be the montage of like, oh, now I'm becoming Spider-Man. Like now I'm really turning into my own. You know what I mean? Like it felt like you, you got to see that montage, but stretched is, is, is what it felt like to me. Because in the first movie, I mean, he's super gung ho. Like, when do I become an Avenger? Oh, I just want to be like you, Mr. Stark. And now he's just like, I've got too much responsibility. I just need to be the, sp- the best Spider-Man that I can be. And I really liked it. I really oh. liked it. I really liked it. Um, what'd you think of his suits in this movie? Okay, so um, obviously we got a little bit more Iron Spider, which it was good to see that. Um, it, it sort of played against the trailer, which showed him in the Stark suit. Um, we find out that's actually the Iron Spider suit he was wearing. Um, I thought it was also kind of interesting. We got to see what the Iron Spider like looks like when it's not on him. It's, it's just like floating. It's like a fart in a box. Yeah, it's like it's like basically nanotech that's just kind of like hanging out inside a <laughs> fart in a box. That's the, <laughs> that's the best description. Put that one in the episode description for sure. All right, you got to write that down. Fart in a box. <laughs> that's not what I pictured with his costume. I just figured it was another costume that he would wear. But you're right. When it forms around him, it's like scale by scale. So that makes sense that it wouldn't be like something he actually puts on. Um, more like it, it just adheres to his regular costume. So, yeah. So I dig that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, of course, get his night monkey costume. <laughs> yeah. I like that suit a lot, though. I did too. That was a really cool suit. By the way, um, for our listeners that follow us on Twitter, and if you're not, you, you should. Um, you, during our, our mid episode break, there was some details about that, but we're at Geek, so to speak, PC. And um, I have my PS4 connected to my Geek, so to speak, PC uh, account. And just today, I downloaded all the new suits that you can play uh, through the Spider-Man PS4 game. So the nice. uh, the new black and red suit that he wears in Far From Home and the Night Monkey uh, stealth suit that he wears is also in the game. So I've got some cool screenshots. Feel free to check them out, uh, like, retweet, all that stuff. Um, but Yes, the, the his stealth suit is delicious. I love the flip up lenses. It's so cool. Um, it, it's brilliant because it's plot driven. He's not supposed to be identifiable as Spider Man uh, because otherwise that would be a dead giveaway that he's that Peter Parker is Spider Man. Um, 
and identity is also a very important part of this movie too. Um, very much a theme, the idea of identity and who you are and what, if, whether that defines you or not. Um, but the other suit is the one that he makes for his final battle with Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Here's what I don't like is I don't like that. We saw this suit in the trailer. Uh huh. I think that that suit should not have been given to us ahead of time. I think that was a promotional mistake mm-hmm. because he built it in that scene. It didn't exist before. And in that respect, we should have been introduced to the suit. The, through the process of the plot. Like it's, we shouldn't have known what it was going to look like before he built it. Yeah. So that that's one criticism. And one thing like that frustrates me about some trailers is sometimes they give away things that they shouldn't. Um, but of course that's not the only place where we would have gotten those details. Um, toys, toys give it away more than anything else. Uh, Marvel legends. Um, I love Marvel legends, but if you want to get spoiled on stuff, um, they get concept art early on and that's how they build their figures. And that's why they look pretty accurate to the MCU, even if they're not completely accurate because they don't get like the final whatevers. Um, but they already had the stealth suit. They already had the red and black suit, uh, in their Lego Lego always spoils big time. Mm-hmm. Big time spoils. And I want to come back to that in a moment, but let's talk about the suits right now. But remind me to mention Lego sets related to Far From Home. Um, I, I I personally loved the suits, all of them. I, I love the Stark suit. And to see that the Stark suit lives on with um, the black and red mm-hmm. is so cool to me. Um, I actually am not a huge fan of the Iron Spider colors. Okay. Like that scheme of the gold with the metallic blue and the red mm-hmm. it, to me, it doesn't scream Spider-Man. Okay. Um, right. because of, because of the gold. Um, I love the, the, obviously the, the tentacles, uh, the arms. I'm sorry, the arms, the additional arms that come out. I think that's super badass. I love the, that stuff, but I don't really like the iron spider suit because it just doesn't seem Spider-Man ish to me. I think like red and blue, or some combination needs to be, that's what it should be. Um, this suit that he wears, that's sort of like a, the advanced or upgraded Stark suit, um, that to me is, I fully appreciate. So uh, nice. I, I loved it. What do you think? Oh, I mean, I, I'm a fan of all of it. I mean, I, I particularly liked the, the, the stealth suit just because that's pretty much what I play. Like when I'm playing the Spider-Man PS4 game at, at night, especially I like putting them in the dark suits and just like, we're stealthy yeah, and nobody can see us. So I just, I really liked the look of that. The, the red and black suit with the white spider on the back is very sharp. I mean, I just, I like the look, especially like the, the black hands with the red fingers. Like it's just really, really cool looking to me. And I like it. And of course I don't particularly mind the, um, the iron spider suit, the, the Stark tech suit. Um, the spacesuit, really whatever title you want to give it. Uh, but I don't mind the look so much. And of course, the classic red and blues are great. But I really I really liked both of the new suits in this movie. Like I, They were very sharp. And I'm looking forward to playing that PS4 game with Oh, them. yeah. It is fun playing with those new suits. Especially yeah. since I started a, a new game plus mode uh-huh. um, so I could get some more cinematics with the suit. And that's why I was taking some pictures. Oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful looking suit, especially it's in the so, cinematics. It's so funny because I've like 
I've told you, and I've said this on the show before, that I've sort of lost interest in the Spider-Man PS4 game. I've beaten the main campaign and I'm playing through the DLC, but certain repetitive missions are like making me not anxious to keep playing it. So I just sort of stopped playing it and going off on my own. And then these new suits came out and I was like, I got to play it. (laughs) I was like, I got to put this back in. (laughs) I got to play it so bad. Okay. um, Let's talk about the other characters in the movie. So Ned... And Betty get a little uh, a little freaky freaky in this movie. Yeah, a little summer romance. That was a cute little, uh, just fun little running joke <laughs> through the rest of the movie. I liked it. <laughs> I it liked like it when too. I first fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like, he's like, it reminds me of when um, I first fell in love. I just finished my fruit cobbler, or no, I just finished <laughs> my fruit cocktail, and he like gets shot in the de- oh my god, I laughed so hard. I just finished my fruit cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I thought um, Ned was really good in this movie. I mean, he was—he was pretty much just a running joke to be for this little relationship, but it, it was still fun. It, it made me laugh. It made me smile. Um, I liked MJ <coughs> in this movie. Um, her interactions with Peter just she—I feel like she didn't really get to shine. I guess is the best word in the last movie so much, or she was just funnier in this movie. I thought. Like I thought I she did a better and job. I felt like she played it very, very much like a girl who has a, a crush and doesn't quite know how to express herself and is awkward and is different. Um, I also think that she is clearly, at least her character, I mean, I mean, she probably is in real life, but um, her character is, is very intelligent and can put two and two together. And it makes perfect sense that she would be able to extrapolate that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Like that to me, granted, it seems like, and we'll get into this some more, but it seems like everyone knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh yeah. Well so. now everybody does. <laughs> um, I also liked the teachers. Uh, they oh, gave, yeah. they gave his teacher a lot more to do. I'm totally blanking on the actor's name, um, but he's Star- been around. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. Uh, he, he's been around, um, but he was funny. Like he was just, he was really good. They gave him a lot more to do in this movie. Um, you're talking about Mr. Harrington, right? Yes, Mr. Harrington. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, they he was good, and just overall, so even Flash, you know, had a couple shining moments in this movie. Um, oh yeah, you know what? Let's talk about Flash briefly. Okay, so Flash is really funny because you know the first movie he was very much a, a unique bully, a, a different take on Flash Thompson than we've seen before. Um, this movie is interesting because. He cl- clearly was among the those that got blipped, as mm-hmm. they, they say in this movie. Um, <clears throat> and so he didn't age, uh, and he's along alongside Peter and all of his friends who who got snapped. Um, but there's an interesting development that I almost feel like there was probably more deleted scenes or something that didn't quite make it to the movie. But there's this idea that he doesn't quite have family support. Yeah, you're right, because it's Peter puts on his glasses, his Tony glasses, and he can see what everybody's texting. And there's a brief shot of what Flash is texting, and it's, I don't remember exactly what it said, but something like, Mom can't come, or something like It looks like, like um, I haven't heard from you, Mom, I haven't heard from you, Dad, or anything like that. Yeah. And then, uh, basically, when he gets picked up at the airport at the end of the movie, uh, for the end of this trip, and he's supposed to like go back home, it's like a his family chauffeur or butler or something that, that picks them up, Mm -hmm. uh, picks him up. And and he's like, mother couldn't make it. And he's like, no. And I just like at that moment, it really humanized 
flash for me and I felt for him. I was like, oh man, you, it's no wonder he's such a bully. Like it really did a lot for his character for only having as much screen time as he did. He mm-hmm. felt so much more uh, like a character with depth and dimension than, than most bullies usually get. And I, I really appreciated that aspect of, of flash this time around. It was yeah. very nice to see. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into uh, the big news. I know what everybody is dying to hear us talk about, Shaf, are those end credits. Yes. <laughs> your mid credit and your end credit. So it was like it was like the one, two, three punch. They threw you with three big things right at, at once. So we'll start uh, with the first. So we get a nice sequence of uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man swinging MJ around and he puts her down and she's got weird owl hair. And she's like, never again. You're never swinging with me again. And all of a sudden there, there's a big uh, interruption from a news report there in Times Square. And it's from the dailybugle.net. And who shows up on the screenshot? It's J. Jonah Jameson. But who is playing J. Jonah Jameson shop? J.K. Simmons! Oh, man. So I did uh, a totally involuntarily gasp. (laughs) (gasps) And what? (laughs) Much to the chagrin of the gentleman who was sitting next to me. (laughs) He turned and looked at me. And I was like, well, I, I had a suspicion. I had a sneaking suspicion that J.K. Simmons was going to be in this movie. Now, the reason why I had a sneaking suspicion is in in several reports recently, or interviews, excuse me, of people asking about him playing J. Jonah Jameson. Again, he would say things along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, but like, why would I do that again? It's like, we've done it. We've we've had our fun with the characters. Let's put the character to rest. Let somebody else do it. You know, just along those tones, right? And... Then, and then, pictures from the Spider-Man Far From Home premiere, J.K. Simmons was taking a lot of pictures, and he was there. So in my mind, I was like, he's in this movie. <laughs> he's in this movie. Like, I had that in my mind. And then he friggin' pulls up. Of course, it's not the, the J. Jonah Jameson that we knew from the other movie. Obviously, it's a different take. <coughs> he doesn't have his iconic look. It's more, more just like J.K. Simmons. Although he does have like a little, like, um, side hair, like like horseshoe haircut, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, it's just like his normal hair, but he grew it out and colored it. Did he have a mustache? I don't remember. I think he um, did. Yeah, he had a mustache. Okay. Um, it, honestly, he seemed to look a lot more like the Spider-Man PS4 version of J. Jonah Jameson, mm-hmm. who's more of like um, um, uh, like a video, um sort of like a YouTube channel situation. He's a podcaster. Yeah, like a podcaster. Thank yeah. you. Um, like he's got his own uh, news podcast that he does. And and this is like the version of the Bugle for him. Um, he's the face of the Bugle, if you will. Um, and I, I, I liked that aspect of it because it kind of takes it away from it being about a newspaper, which is to me a dead medium for, for media. So um, they have to make it more appropriate and it establishes him as an adversary for spider-man uh very very quickly and because obviously you know throughout all of the toby Maguire movies j jonah jameson was always a thorn in the side of spider-man mm-hmm. 
And now we get this dynamic um, after Spider-Man has been in the MCU for a few flicks, but never had an, uh, a media adversary. He's never been uh, hated by the media mm-hmm. until now. That's true, which is something I believe I said when we were discussing the trailer, the, the second trailer, how everybody loves Spider-Man. And I was like, mm-hmm. I miss everybody hating Spider-Man. Yeah. I was I, I mean, I thought that too. When I, when I saw this happen in, in credits, I was like, Oh, Rob's going to like this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and the second, so that would have been enough. Like for me, they brought back J. Jonah Jameson. I was, I was happy during that moment. That would have been enough. But then, the next big thing happens in that scene. So I'll let you take this one, Shaf. What happens next? So the next big scene, basically J. Jonah Jameson has this news bulletin. He's got this late-breaking announcement, and it's footage uh, from Mysterio's final moments before he died. And it's Mm -hmm. his interactions with Spider-Man. This is heavily doctored and edited content from what was said um, during this uh, sequence. And, um, and at the end of the movie, of course, as we talked about, Mysterio uh, seemingly dies uh, at the hands of his drone um, and, uh, and Spider-Man saves the day, basically. <laughs> He's like, don't tell Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, his colleague, this guy uh, who is in the original Iron Man movie, he's like doctoring all the stuff, the footage, puts it together in a different way and sends it off for, for the news. And basically this new way, this new approach to the way the uh, content has been displayed, it paints Spider-Man as the one who... Uh, not only killed Mysterio, but also is the one who um, sent the drones out to kill a bunch of innocent people as well. Mm-hmm. So now Spider-Man is public enemy number uno. Mm-hmm. And if that weren't enough, the footage shows Mysterio with his face in the camera, his last dying breaths, explaining all of this, and goes as far as to reveal the secret identity of Spider-Man to the world. And now everyone who watches this and will clearly, it will just make its way to every bit of news source that Spider-Man is Peter Parker and Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Ooh, it was so good. It was so good. And he does a quick, what the, (laughs) and then it cuts, (laughs) cuts to credits. Oh man. It was so good. Can we talk about one other thing about that scene that was also like, oh my God. Okay. So when he is um, joy swinging with, uh, uh, with MJ and they're going through Manhattan and everything, they pass by the uh, grand central station area Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you also see them pass through this building that's got an exposed area and it's like, um, almost like a hole in the building. And there's like a terrace that they, they swing over as they go through the building. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but in, um, the, the PS4 video game for Spider-Man, Oscorp has a similar hole in the building mm-hmm. and you can, yes. you can swing through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The uh, I was hoping that they were going to show the building from further back and you were going to see the big O or something for Oscorp. You, there's no, <coughs> excuse me, there's no signifying marks, but there is a construction 
banner across that entire area and it says, you won't believe what what we've got coming next. Oh, hey! So who knows what who's going to be the uh, the new owners of the? See, I thought Avengers that was the Tower. Avengers Tower too. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it was. It was. Mm-hmm. So they clearly it's been rebuilt, mm-hmm. um, and it has some new owners, but we don't know who. Now it would make perfect sense that Oscorp would take over because they that would be a great way to introduce that whole element into the Spidey uh, franchise, which we do need to. I mean, it wouldn't be Spider Man without the Osborns in some capacity, even if I don't want them to be the main focus of like the third movie or something like that. Cause I think we've done Norman, we've done, um, Harry, uh, they've, they've been overdone. We don't need any yeah. more Osborns for any time soon, but we do need Oscorp in the mix. So yes. did you notice in that uh, final sequence where he's swinging through that they did a little nod to the, the PS4 video game where he takes out his phone and does a selfie and it's that same selfie yes. image yes. that you do in the PS4 game. I love that. I love <laughs> I that. Like, Perfect. <laughs> well, there's also another nod to the PS4 video game, but I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, um, but that was a great, a great, <coughs> great stinger. But then you get the one at the very end, Shoff, which yes. was a total mind fuck, something that you didn't <laughs> see coming at all. So ultimately, uh, Maria Hill and Mr. Fury, they're they're riding in a, a car and they're they're communicating and they 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 shape shift and are revealed to be scrolls. Oh my god. Sorry, I got a little too excited just then. I'm sorry everybody, I didn't mean to scream in your ear, but they they shape shifted and are revealed to be scrolls, which was a huge what is happening. And the whole audience went <gasps> which was fantastic. And they're communicating with Nick Fury on the other line and, and uh, Talos is essentially saying like, I, I'm in over my head being you right now. People are asking me about the Avengers. I don't know what to tell them. And it cuts to Nick Fury on the dang beach saying, okay, I'll come back. And then the beach just vanishes. It's, it's an illusion. Also it's a hologram and he's on a dang spaceship. He's in a dang uh, uh, scroll spaceship with the scroll fleet. And he says, where are my shoes? I got to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was, you, I was, uh, it was so good. Okay. So when my first thought was also this. So when uh, Maria Hill turned into a scroll, she was the first one to change. Yeah. And then Nick was still himself for a moment. And I was like, Oh my God, Nick doesn't even know. I was like, Nick doesn't know that Maria Hill is a scroll. How long has she been a scroll? And then suddenly he changes. And I was like, holy fuck, they're both scrolls. And then I asked myself, how long have they been? I also asked myself, how long? So that was really what I was thinking about the whole drive. I was like, what? How long could this guy have been a scroll? And I think I determined it. I've actually read this theory a couple places too. So I can I can say that I, I did think of this, but I can also say that other people have thought of this. So I came to the conclusion that Nick Fury became a scroll after the Winter Soldier is what I think. Mm. Because after that, at the end of that movie, he says, you know, he's taking a vacation. And I think the line is, 
um, will we, we won't see you anymore. And he turns and looks, he says, you'll see me everywhere. I think, no way. Or am I remember, am I misremembering that? That might've been agents of shield. Cause I did delve into it a little bit further online and that people were pointing out that line. And I was like, that's right. That's correct. So I think officially he's been since after Captain America, the winter soldier okay. is my theory. Okay. But there are a lot of other people's theories too. So I can't take credit for it. So I, I know that a lot of people have had, it's one of a lot of people consider this to be one of the MCU's biggest plot holes. And that's, and I don't think it's a huge plot hole, but it, it would very much be explained by, uh, by Nick Fury having been a scroll pretty much for at least going back as far as age of Ultron, uh-huh. because <clears throat> one thing that he establishes to captain Marvel, and this is how um, she's able to confirm that he's not a scroll is Are that you, is it the sandwich thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think this is kind of a crap explanation, but because I mean, who, who is so consistent with how they cut their sandwich? I, I don't think I've, always done it one way versus another. I'm sure I've done it both ways, but he says to Carol Danvers that he will not eat a sandwich if it's cut diagonally. So, uh, she then knows, okay, well, he's not a scroll. Now he's seen in age of Ultron cutting a sandwich diagonally. And, she and basically now um everyone is like well he's been a scroll that entire time he's clearly a scroll because he didn't cut it the right the other way mm-hmm. i just don't like i don't necessarily believe that but knowing now that he has been a scroll for at least some time he wouldn't have been a scroll before the snap right because if he was a scroll before the snap then who got snapped the scroll version of Nick Fury or Nick Fury. You know what I mean? Like just, that part just kind of throws me off a little Probably bit. the scroll version of Nick Fury. Cause if he, if he, he could have pushed the, the button on the pager a long time ago and just said, Hey, come get me. <laughs> the Avengers have this. Yeah. We don't need you on earth. Like let's, let's go, uh, let's go start sword. All right. Uh, sword sword <laughs> all right um but yeah so nick fury uh is in space right now which was also a big what the heck which actually leads me to what i was writing down shaft so i took note um after the fact of some easter eggs or just some general thoughts so little things that i could remember from the movie that i wanted to discuss um, I really liked Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You and the school's in memoriam for all the fallen heroes. Yes. By the way, um, <laughs> touching on that, so glad that Vision finally got some posthumous love. Uh, the fact that That's right. somebody recognized the fact that he's dead. He didn't get a single fucking funeral. He didn't get any kind of me- uh, memorial. It, we had to wait until the Spider-Man movie to Vision to get finally get some love. So... So, um, also when Peter's on the plane and he's flipping through the documentaries, there was what I, there was one that was called finding Wakanda, which really got me curious to see what the other ones were. And so I, I did some sleuthing and these were the names of the documentaries that he was flipping through very brief, very briefly. Um, hunting Hydra was one finding Wakanda was another one. Nova, which was a documentary by Dr. Eric Selvig, 
Wow. Which had his picture on it. Um, Heart of Iron, the Tony Stark story, and The Snap, which had which was just a poster of the Infinity Gauntlet, but like in the shadow. So that was very interesting. interesting. Um, I remembered that the kids were talking about a, a story on BuzzFeed about a man who was transformed by an underwater generator. Um, and they were like, don't read, don't believe everything you hear. If I recall correctly, that sounds like the origin of Hydra man to me. Yep. (laughs) Um, so I thought that was an interesting, fun little tidbit. Um, this isn't so much an Easter egg. It's just a joke that I really liked. And so I made sure to write it down. Edith, even dead, I'm still the hero. Yes. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. I was like, that's so Tony Stark. That's perfect. (laughs) Um, Quentin Beck calls the MCU Earth Earth 616, which immediately I was like, this guy's full of shit. Because the comic universe, the main the mainline Marvel universe is 616. MCU is actually Earth 199999. Uh, Beck says he's from Earth 833, which I, I Googled it just out of curiosity. That is the uh, universe where Spider UK exists. That's right. Um, 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 um. Nice callbacks to the past people in other MCU movies. Uh, Peter looking through the suits. Now, I only spotted two off the off the off my dome when he's creating his new suit, but the traditional Iron Spider suit from the comic books was in there. And the Velocity suit. Yes, saw that. Which, if I remember correctly, if I recall correctly, was specifically created for the PS4 game. Yeah. So that was a very interesting little take. Um, ACDC's back in black when Spider-Man is like ready to take action in his new suit. I thought was a nice little nod to Tony Stark. Um, oh, it was funny wrote, when he said, I love Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, and lastly, I wrote Spider-Man takes a selfie at the end, just like the video game. Uh, oh no. Nick Fury on vacation. Sword. Um, sentient world observation and response department. Which is essentially like shield in space. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right on. I think that's exactly where Nick Fury is. By the way, that scene where he's like um, hanging out and what looks like uh, looking out onto a beach and everything. Mm-hmm. The beach uh, has the whitest sands and the bluest water, and it's just like idyllic. Um, I think that was a nod to Agents of Shield because when Agent Coulson gets brought back to life, um, the only thing he can remember. Uh, in relation to, to, to that is this place that he refers to as Tahiti. And uh, mm-hmm. it's sort of like he's been brainwashed into thinking that he was basically on a, a beach landscape, very, very similar to where, to where uh, Nick Fury was hanging out. And it was really okay. just sort of like a, a projection that he had been led to believe um, uh, because he was actually having his brain worked on to with Cree technology and he'd have like a Cree transfusion. That's how he was brought back to life. So uh, it makes me wonder if there was some aspect of Tahiti in that mix of what uh, Nick Fury was doing. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Good call. Good call, Shroff. But yeah, a, a lot, a lot to take in. This was a great Spider-Man movie. Um, my only peeves with it, my two peeves with the whole movie is Put your damn mask on, Spider-Man. <laughs> I hate and this. Not just this movie; it's every Spider-Man movie. He just wants to take his mask off. Like you're Spider-Man, keep your mask on. You don't want people to find your secret identity. Although that's not a problem anymore. Okay, so that was number one. Number two, I kind of rolled my eyes <coughs> just a little bit at 
Quentin Beck's motivations being that he hates Tony Stark. Just because that's what happened in the last movie. <laughs> the last the last Oh Spider-Man yeah, that's movie. true. Yeah, that's true. Um but like I said, just that's just a tiny gripe. Um some people don't like that Spider-Man relies so much on technology in this rather than just being a kid in a spandex suit. It doesn't really bother me because obviously every iteration of Spider-Man is a different take. And these aren't just like one-to-one adaptations of existing comic books. You know what I mean? To that though, I'll say, even though he does clearly need technology and and the suits have their own special gadgets, um, uh, what it came down to beating Mysterio in this movie was him using his Peter Tingle. Yeah, his spider sense is like his pingle. His uh, once he was able to hone that ability, he it, those illusions didn't have the hold on him that they previously did. So, technology can only get him so far. He just needed his own natural um, response system to be more finely attuned, and I think he did that in this movie. And now, like, just think of his his abilities now like his at he's already his agility is already through the roof now he can like sense things like that's going to be a very impressive thing to watch it's gonna be good and then yeah i mean now we just see where the movies go from here i mean we don't know what's on the slate officially they're gonna announce it at a d23 i believe uh later this year in like a month or so i mean of course we know a black widow movie's coming out because that they couldn't keep that a secret at all um we know that they're working on a new Black Panther movie and a new Doctor Strange again because they just can't keep secrets. <laughs> the um, the Eternals, obviously, is a big rumor. But outside of that, we don't really know what's going on. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But, I mean, are we going to see... We got Shang-Chi. I mean, we maybe we do know what's coming up, actually. I just realized that I just listed, like, six movies. <laughs> so, But nothing's officially been announced. But we'll just uh, have to wait and see what happens next, you guys. Yeah, well, I want to share a few of my gripes. So okay. before we go, so um, <clears throat> one of my main gripes is the fact that no other Avenger was seemingly available. One thing that Avengers Endgame established is that there's like sixty plus powered individuals in some capacity or another, mm-hmm. whether it's people of Wakanda with their technology or sorcerers related to Dr. Strange um, or, you know, various members of the Guardians of the Galaxy or their Ravager friends. And, you know, I mean, it's like any number of people could have helped Spider-Man. And I just find it extremely hard to believe that no one was available or that no one thought to come to his aid when all of these international calamities are happening. Like that's just, that, that to me just kind of is strange, like that there would be no response. I have a counter argument to that. Okay. So that doesn't bother me at all because of these reasons. Number one, this has happened in the past where black Panther, Spider-Man, Dr. Strange, and there was another one. Thor Ragnarok, where they all took place in the same week. So they're all just off dealing with their own problems. So I would that's number one, where like, okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that. Number two, I think the majority of everybody 
being unavailable was explained. And I mean, like, obviously Iron Man's dead. Captain America doesn't exist anymore. Um, Thor's off world. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange was just MIA is what they said. So we'll put a question mark on him. Um, who am I forgetting? They mentioned somebody else also, but I'm, I'm blanking on it. So, I mean, well, they said Captain, said, Marvel, Captain Marvel and they said, do not speak her name or something. Yeah, like. but that's because he was a scroll and he's tired of hearing about her. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which also but, doesn't make any sense because she went out of her way to help him uh, basically and his family as refugees <laughs> escape the Cree clutches, you know? So like, I don't quite understand that, that animosity that, but clearly there's been 30 plus years. So, so yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get a little more into that. So I think really the only people who are left or that are established heroes are, is war machine, but we don't know what his deal is. And then you've got, um, Scarlet witch, Scarlet witch who, who the heck knows what's going on with her. Um, and then Bucky, Bucky and Falcon. Yeah. Um, Bucky's just a guy. <laughs> like really, he's just another super soldier. I mean, what's Captain America going to do against elementals? <laughs> like nothing. Yeah. Um, same with maybe Falcon to a lesser extent, but I, but they're also Bucky and Falcon are also getting their own series. And so is Scarlet Witch. So that sort of ties back into what I was saying before that, in the in the the past where all these movies were like taking place within the same week like that maybe was happening okay all right i'll take that that, like i see where you're coming from but i don't let it bother me because they've done this in the past and i'm like okay all right i let's see what's happening if they don't address it then i'll be like okay yeah shop you got a point (laughs) my other thought was maybe with uh, Talos uh, posing as Nick Fury, that he already reached out to other Avengers and told them, don't worry, Spider-Man's got it. Yeah, maybe. And so then that's why they didn't even think to lift a finger. Um, To me, I just thought like, Spider-Man's like the newest member of the team pretty much. And he's also the youngest. So like, they shouldn't just trust that he's going to be able to be the one to stop everybody and save the day like he may need some help i don't know it's oh yeah and then the hulk i mean you got hulk but he's got like a weird shriveled arm now yeah <laughs> like he might not be the hulk that much longer <laughs> uh, my, other, my other complaint is the films sort of need to introduce characters that really have no relevance um first and foremost the blonde chick who gives him his costume that he gets caught in, an, in a compromising photo with. That was pretty much just a joke. Yeah, <laughs> just like, set up a joke. Well, here, I, was, I was talking about this with Sweet Gingerfish on the way home. I was like, they could have made that scene so much better if we just saw that she was in the prior scene when Spider-Man first meets Mysterio and they're like underground where they all met up via boat mm-hmm. and they're in like the secret base type situation. Like if she was just in the background or maybe like, passing forms to somebody and you saw her there, like, and you knew that she was part of shield or part of Nick Fury's team, like then it wouldn't feel so jarring to have this strange woman suddenly be calling Peter over and she gets, he's taking a picture, compromising, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like I I needed her to make more of an appearance than just be in that room um, for me to accept her existence in this narrative. So I, I, I needed a little bit more of like a sprinkling of, breadcrumbs if you will the other person and this is more important to me is the character dimitri 
Oh, yes, Dimitri. So we had speculated early on that Dimitri was a far bigger deal, that Dimitri was actually going to be Dimitri as in the chameleon mm-hmm. Dimitri. And <laughs> the movie, it's very interesting. The movie almost forgets that the character exists yeah. by the third act. He never appears again. Um, and that's what makes me wonder if maybe he is actually... Miss uh, um, uh, Chameleon and Mysterio's last um, thing that he did before basically planning his 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 own demise is that he had Dimitri, who I believe maybe was a Skrull, mm-hmm. and that's why he has this Chameleon capability. Is that he's actually a Skrull and he assumed the Mysterio look, and that's how. Uh, and then Mysterio died, but it's actually Chameleon who died. As that's why we don't see him is because he's already been basically he's one of uh, Mysterio's contingency plans. Mm. Is my thought. That's an interesting um, theory. I like it. I just don't think you introduce the character Dimitri, who's such a, a famous name in the Spider Verse, and not be Dimitri Smerdyakov, uh, who's the chameleon. So, and you also introduce Dimitri so that you can introduce Craven down the line too. So, um, but they did it in the last one with Scorpion. Yeah, but they—that's just planting seeds. They have a nine-movie arc planned for Tom Holland's <laughs> rumored, <laughs> rumored nine. nine yeah, movies. so Wouldn't I mean, that be something. They have plenty of time to bring all of those pieces together, and that's what I want. I want them to sprinkle things everywhere so that they can pay off things later. Um, so uh, I feel like this Dimitri character. There's more to it than we got. Even, yeah, I think you're right because I remember I remember it being a big thing about the chameleon. We we talked about it a couple of times. Yeah, so, so that's you, what I, you might be right. My, those are my main things. I mean, otherwise, I love this movie. Um, thrilled for what it means. I think we're definitely leaning towards um, a Secret Wars storyline um, as well as additional cosmic threats. But the fact that the scrolls were involved with this, I mean, there's even a line that Fury says when he's overlooking the fight with Mysterio. He mm-hmm. says. I thought the Cree sleeper cells were supposed to be a secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that was kind of like at that, that was early on before we knew that they were scrolls. So there's more to this scree scree <laughs> to this <laughs> scroll situation. And uh, I think we, we could be getting more inklings of uh, secret wars because who else could be a scroll? We don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Who else could be a scroll? Um, how about I'm going to go out on a limb call it right now happy happy's a scroll <laughs> you heard it here first folks happy's a scroll <laughs> Aunt May is getting some scroll dick hey don't, don't be prejudiced against intergalactic uh, relations <laughs> she's okay. getting scroll fucked <laughs> wow okay I think this is a good point <laughs> to, to call it a night on Spider-Man Far From Home everybody <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> thank you so much everybody we really appreciate you we got lots of great stuff to come in the weeks in the weeks to, that are following this one including because now that we have the ending of phase three uh, in the very near future, we will be ranking the MCU movies phase one, two, and three in their full capacity. So look forward to that as well as other great stuff. Thanks for tuning in. Same geek time. Same geek channel. We'll see you later, everybody. Bye.
Thank you. I love you. Hey, don't forget to rate in iTunes or SoundCloud or really wherever you listen. Just give us a rating and leave words, sexy words. We'll read us back sexy to you. I love you. Bye. Put it in my mouth and then it slides down my throat hole. <laughs> <laughs>